the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus didn't just die for your mistakes. He died for the things that you knew what you were doing was wrong, and you did it anyway. We can come to Him, even when we have been fouled. Even when we have crossed the line where we knew it said no trespassing, and we said, I don't care, God, I'm doing this my way. Come to our senses and we realize how foolish that was and how hurtful that was to God and how wrong it was. We say, God, could you forgive me for this too? I knew better and I did it anyway. And the Lord would say, Jesus died for that too. Hello and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in a study of the book of Leviticus. Here in Leviticus chapter 4, we join Pastor Will in studying the sin offering wrongs that had been committed unintentionally. We have looked at the offerings made for unintentional sins of the spiritual leaders. Now we look at sacrifices made for the sins of civil leaders in Leviticus chapter 4, verse 25. Verse 25, the priest, the same job. He shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger. But here he won't go inside because this is an individual. It's not considered a spiritual thing because he doesn't stand in the gap for the people in the way that the priest would. The requirements for a civil leader are not as high as that for a spiritual leader. Frequently, I think Christians have been critiqued for saying, we just want somebody as perfect as a civil leader. And and I think that would be wrong for us to want that. First off, that person doesn't exist. They don't exist in this pulpit either. You know, what you're looking for in the character of someone who's a civil leader is someone who is just a good man, someone who is a person of character. And you look all throughout the Old Testament, it says, find someone of good report, somebody who doesn't take bribes, somebody that can be counted on, somebody that's not an idolater, not a blasphemer, someone that's got general good character that can be an example to the people and make wise decisions. Would you vote for a non-Christian? I think I'd be fine to do that if they're a person of character. Priest job. So unlike the priest's sin or the national sin, he doesn't go into the holy place. He just takes it and he takes of the blood of the sin offering, verse 25, with his finger, and he puts it on the horns, not of the altar of incense, where prayer is symbolized, but the altar of burnt offering. And then he pours the rest of it at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering, and everything else is the same. He shall burn all of his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peat offerings, that popping gristle that we all love to eat. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. So the leader, he would come forward, and as that was barbecuing on the altar, it would be an atonement for him, and he would be forgiven. Verse 26, he'd take all the, the fat, he does that, but then it doesn't mention it here, but definitely all the other stuff would be burned outside the camp as well. In verse 27, we get to the last group, and it says, and if any one of the common people sin, and here the word common people, it just simply means those who are the people of the land. It just means if anybody else comes, it mentions here, if they sin through ignorance while he does somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and he's guilty, or if his sin which he has sinned come to his knowledge. Well, then he has two options actually. He can bring a kid of the goats 
a female without blemish for his sin which he has sinned. So the difference here between the ruler or the leader, civil leader, and the common person is one had to be male, one had to be female. I don't understand fully the significance of that except that the female would be used for different purposes that would be not considered as expensive. That's the only reason that would be something that the common person would bring and the leader had to bring something of greater value because his sin would be affect more people. So the same thing, they'll come. It says, you pick one without blemish, verse 29. He'll lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. Take away all the fat, it says, as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings, same as they do it there. And then the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto the Lord. That sweet barbecue smell as would be going up would be pleasing to the Lord as someone had come and they'd confess their sin. Lord, I, I shouldn't have done this. Lord, I know I wasn't trying to, Lord, but I did it anyway. And I shouldn't do that. And I don't want to do that anymore. So I ask that you forgive me. And when someone came with that humility, you know, before the Lord with confession of sin, the Lord said, I'm pleased by that. I do forgive you. I do pardon you. For it says here, the priest shall make an atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. You know, as they saw that meat go up on the altar and be consumed, it'd be the idea of their sin being wiped away, no longer held against them. Now, if you bring a lamb for a sin offering, you shall bring it a female without blemish. And then it's the same exact thing. Verse 35 at the end, it says, the priest shall make an atonement for his sin that he has committed and it shall be forgiven him as well. The same thing, just so you could bring a goat or a lamb, a female, for your sin offering. A couple things that I think we should take notice of with all of these offerings. Notice no one is excluded, Right? doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is, whether you're a priest, whether you're a ruler, whether you're a common person, whether it's everybody, everybody is included in this. All fall short. There's provision made for every person because all fall short. Something important for us to remember when it regards our sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Secondly, notice that God holds man accountable for unintentional sin. He does. Well, I didn't mean it. You know, sometimes when you tell the kids and you discipline them for something, well, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sure you didn't. (laughs) But now you'll really not mean it next time. (laughs) My kids will say sometimes, I just forgot. And I say, you know, it's not just that you forgot. It means you also refuse to remember. It wasn't important enough for you to make it a part of your remembrance for that day. And God does hold us responsible, not just for the things we know we shouldn't do and we do it, but he holds us responsible for the things that we just fail to do. That's how serious sin is. And then thirdly, notice the offerer ate no portion of the sacrifice. He did no work in the offering. He had no part in it. All of the work was done by the priest and the only one who got the portion was God. So in light of that, how does this point to Jesus? Well, obviously he's our sin offering, right? <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to probably point that out to any of you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 describes him as the lamb without blemish. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, your old way of living that was worthless, he says, But you've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. He is our sin offering, without blemish, the perfect, sinless Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, who what? Takes away the sin of the world. And then the guilt of our sin, for our sin, was placed upon him. 
You know, people say, well, that's the Old Testament. Listen, the whole basis of the New Testament sacrifice is because they're all shadows for the substance, which is Jesus. And it makes it very clear here in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Why don't you turn there real quick? That way we can all read it together. It says, for he, that's God, has made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? Jesus had never sinned. He's that lamb without blemish. He's that lamb without blotch. And yet God made him to be sin for us. Why? So that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. By our faith in him, his righteousness could be given to us. Our sin is given to him. When we talk about the cross, it's no mere sacrifice and shows you how we should maybe give up watching a football game to spend time with the kids, which is true. But that's not what the cross means. Jesus became sin for us. He became the one who was punished for our sin that we might receive the righteousness of God in him. But not only is he our sin offering, he is also our priest. For he was anointed as our high priest by God. You could jot down this scripture to look it up later, but in Hebrews chapter one, when the writer is trying to explain how Jesus is better than the angels, he says in verse seven, and of the angels, he says, they are, he makes them his, his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire, But unto the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. For you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. He is our high priest, the one that we come to with every need that we have. Because he has been anointed by God as such. Turn to Hebrews 9 with me. Here we're going to see tons of things that the sin offering points to Jesus. It's going to show us that he did all the work required for us to be forgiven. That he presented his blood to the Lord in the holy of holies in heaven. And that he took our sin and sent it away. Just like the priest would take it outside the camp. So it would never be remembered against us again. Burned up everything. None of it was eaten to be consumed, to be remembered in some way. To be experienced in some way again. No, it was taken outside the camp and completely burned up. The same way that Jesus took our sin and sent it away never to be remembered against us again. For it says in in, uh, Hebrews 9, verse 6, Now when these things were ordained, the tabernacle and all its furniture and all its stuff, the priests went also into the first tent, the holy place, and there they did the service of God, accomplishing the service of God. But in the second, the holy of holies, the high priest, he went alone once every year, and not without blood, which he would offer for himself and for the errors of the people. That's the day of atonement. We'll get to that later on in Leviticus. But I want to focus on this word errors here. The word errors here means sins of ignorance. You know, they would do this. It was not because the nation are evil. This is because we fell short. They sinned like we all do. Well, Jesus, he's the fulfillment of that. Let's go down to verse 24 of chapter nine. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures or the idea is it's a figurative. It's, it's a picture of the true tabernacle in heaven. But he went to heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often like all the sin offerings that had to be brought as a high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For if that was the case, then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The phrase there, put away, means to send away and never come back. He took our sin and he sent it away so it can never come back to us, never be held against us again. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time 
without sin unto salvation. He died for our sins and he took those sins with him outside the camp. Look at Hebrews 13 with me, verse 10. The writer says, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat who serve at the tabernacle. Those priests there who serve, they can't eat from our altar. For the bodies of those beasts, the ones we talked about in chapter four, Leviticus, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, those bodies, they're burned outside the camp. That's where our altar is. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Where was Jesus crucified? Golgotha, the hill of the skull, outside the city. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. So, Jesus is our sin offering. And we fulfill that in our lives by following him out there. First off, by coming to the cross and confessing our sins and believing on him to be our sin offering. And then secondly, by living outside the camp, not in the legalism that existed in Jesus' day inside Jerusalem, but outside the camp, under grace and under the new covenant. Chapter five, the trespass offering. Now he says here, and if a soul sin, hear the voice of swearing and is a witness whether he has seen it or known of it. If he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of an unclean cattle or the carcass of an unclean creeping things, dead roaches. And if it be hidden from him, he shall also be unclean and guilty. Or if he touch the uncleanness of man, whatsoever uncleanness it be that a man shall be defiled withal. And it be hid from him when he knows of it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a soul should swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whether it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath and it be hid from him when he knows of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned. And then it goes in. So we see here the fifth offering, which is the trespass offering. Now there's going to be a long list of different types of things that qualify as trespasses. When you first read through this, you think the idea, well, if it's hidden from him and he doesn't know about it, and then he brought to his attention, well, then he's got to deal with it. And it gives you the impression that he did it, but he didn't mean to do it. No, no, no. That's not what's going on here. You knew what you're doing. You did it anyway. You just didn't care at that point in time. When it means it says, and it is hid from him, but now it's brought to his attention. It means now you're getting convicted about it. Now you're realizing what you've done. And when you realize that, he says, if you want to make things right with God, you have to do it a little bit differently than the sin offering. This chapter is divided into three different types of sins, trespasses. One's against yourself, things you do yourself. One is against the Lord, and the other ones are against your fellow man. The ones that would be against yourself is aiding and abetting. Verse 1, he says, if you hear the voice of swearing, someone make an oath, and you're witness to whether you've seen it or you just know about it. Let's say somebody goes back on it. You were a party that heard about it, and you don't speak up on behalf of the person who's being wronged. He says, you shall bear your guilt. You're guilty. If you hear about it and you didn't do something about it and speak up, you're just as guilty. Or if you were to become defiled by unclean things, remember Samson, he wasn't supposed to ever touch any dead body, but what does he go and do? He's hungry and he scoops the honey out of the carcass, right? I don't know if I would want to do that, but that's what he did. He scoops the honey out of the bees that kind of made their home in a lion's carcass, I think, and he eats it. He knew he shouldn't do that, but he did it anyway. He says, if you do that, purposely did something that you knew would defile you ceremonially, He says, once you get convicted about it, you're guilty. You need to do something about it. Or verse four, if you swear rashly, the word there to swear means to take an oath or to pronounce a curse upon somebody. And if you do it to do evil, the word there pronounced means to speak rashly or angrily or to speak thoughtlessly. None of us ever do that, right? If you do that, you don't realize it, but then you know about it. 
And he's guilty of these things. You realize I need to get right with God. That's what's wrong. I I need to fix this. He says, this is what you do. Verse six says, he shall bring a female of the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. So similar, you'd have to come and bring this animal, the lamb or a goat in this case. You put your hand upon it. Same thing as, I mean, it doesn't mention it here, but it's the same thing. It's just like a sin offering. That's why he mentions the sin offering here. It doesn't mean it's a sin offering. He's just saying, do it just like the sin offering. Now, verse seven explains, if he's not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass, which he has committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons unto the Lord. One for a sin offering and one for a burnt offering. The idea is, Lord, I shouldn't have done this. I'm sorry. I want to live for you now. So the sin offering the burnt offering, okay? They're a trespass offering, but they communicate both those things. And so he would bring them unto the priest. He shall offer that which is for the sin offering first, wring off his head from his neck, but he doesn't cut it in two. And he shall sprinkle the blood of the sin offering upon the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be wrung out at the bottom of the altar. It's just like a sin offering. And he shall offer the second one for a burnt offering, according to the manner that we learned in Leviticus 1. And the priest shall make an atonement for him for his sin, which he has sinned, and then he'll be forgiven. So in these sins where you've not really hurt anybody else but yourself, your own character, in that case, this is how you fix it. Now, interestingly enough, he says here, but if you're not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, if you couldn't afford that, then he that sins shall bring for his offering the tenth part of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. That's interesting. No shedding of blood here. This would be a grain offering. An ephah is a dry measure of quantity. And in this case, it'd be about seven gallons. So this was not to be approached lightly. It wasn't necessarily always a cheaper option. It was just more readily available. And one-tenth of an ephah, therefore, be about three quarts or so. It was a lot still, but not as much maybe as it might cost you for the turtle doves or young pigeons. And so it says here, you shall bring, put no oil upon it this time though, because remember, it's not a burnt offering. This is a trespass offering. So the Holy Spirit wasn't involved in anything you did. So no oil on it. Neither shall I put frankincense thereon. This isn't about surrender. This is about making things right with God, for it is a sin offering. Then he shall bring it to the priest. The priest shall take his handful of it, even a memorial thereof, just like the grain offering. Burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto the Lord. But this time it's more like a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him as touching his sin that he has sinned in one of these things. And it'll be forgiven him. And the remnant shall be the priests as a meat offering. So the grain he could take and he could actually use it to bake something. In verse 14, we get to trespasses against God. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, if a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks with your estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he has done in the holy thing and shall add the fifth part thereto and give it unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven him. The word there for ignorance, it's not the same and it refers to actually dishonesty. So if he comes and he's gonna bring an offering to the Lord and he's dishonest, like he's concealing the fact that there's something wrong with it, but it's not easy to find out. Uh, maybe it like just has the hiccups all the time, I don't know. Whatever it might be, if you do it deceitfully, Here he says, no, 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 no. You're gonna fix this and you wanna make it right with the Lord. You don't do that to the Lord. You would have to come and you'd bring a new offering, a right one, and then you'd have to pay 20% extra. So you would have to bring a ram without blemish and then the priest would value what the ram was worth. These guys had to be smart guys. They had to value what the ram was worth 
And then they would have to restore the financial loss plus 20% higher. You'd have to make amends, compensation. Because now the priest is stuck with something that's inferior. So he would say, no, you're going to make amends for that. Now the other area where you would have to make amends if you sinned against the Lord is if you broke any of his commandments. Verse 17, and if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he knew it not, yet is he guilty. Though he didn't know it not, again, it means though you, didn't, you weren't, didn't care about it at the time, he's still guilty and he shall bear his iniquity. So he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with your estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest and the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance wherein he erred and knew it not and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. So if you broke one of the God's commandments here, these would be the commandments about idolatry, things against the Lord, not against your fellow man. So not like theft or anything, but like idolatry or broke the Sabbath or something like that and nobody caught you. When it says he didn't know about it, it just means it was not known. You got away with it. So if that's the case, he says, you still need to make it right, even though you got away with it. And you do it by bringing a ram, perfect ram, and you do the same thing as the sin offering. Chapter 6, these would be trespasses against your fellow man. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, if a soul sin, commit a trespass against the Lord. And here's where they are. If he lie unto his neighbor, and that's which he was delivered to keep. So if you lied about something that someone left with you for safekeeping, like for example, if maybe you weren't paying attention and it, it got injured or whatever, and you said, oh man, you know, robbers came in and they smacked him on the leg and that's why he's lame now, not because you weren't paying attention and he fell into a ditch, you know, and you dug him out. He says, no, if you lie about that, or he says, uh, in fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence. So in other words, if you lie concerning a deposit someone gave you for possession, someone gave you something, they shared something with you, they let you borrow it, and it gets stolen or something like that, he says, and then you lie about it, he says, that's wrong. If, it's, if you rob from him, that's wrong. You deceive him and you steal from him. Verse 3, or that I've found that which was lost and lie concerning it. In other words, you find something that belongs to your neighbor and you lie about it. And say, no, I just found this out in the market one day. And you swear falsely. He says, in any of all these things that a man does, sinning therein, then shall it be because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore, make amends again, that which he took violently away, or the thing which he has deceitfully gotten or that which was delivered to him to keep, or the lost thing which was found, or all about which he has sworn falsely. So these five different trespasses against your fellow man. He says, he shall even restore it in the principle, and then add 20%, the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto whom it appertains, to whom it belongs, in the day of his trespass offering. So when you bring your offering to the Lord, you need to bring the restoration money too. So not only you're out a ram, because it mentions here, he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock, with your estimation. The idea is it had to be valued as worthy enough for, by the priest to bring it for a trespass offering. Then you'd make atonement. You had to have your restoration money with you. If you walked up and said, you know, I'm going to pay back John tomorrow. The priest said, come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. And you bring John with you. And then when you come, you bring your offering. I'm going to see you make it right. Otherwise, you're not doing this today. And the idea is just when we do wrong in one of these ways by somebody, we should make it right. We should financially restore the one that we wronged. And here he says you get charged 20% extra as well. (laughs) And then if you do that, verse 7, the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. 
and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he has done in trespassing therein. How does this point to Jesus? Well, turn to 2 Corinthians 5.19. We read in 5.21 about he was made sin for us who knew no sin. For frequently I hear this from Christians. I can see how Jesus forgives my sins, my mistakes, the things I'm not trying to do, but I just mess up because I'm still a sinner. But I can't believe Jesus will forgive the things that I know I'm not supposed to do, and I do it anyway. Well, there's good news from the New Testament. Verse 19, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. It says that God was reconciling all things to himself. That is, that God was reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their what? Trespasses unto them. But he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Listen, Jesus didn't just die for your mistakes. He died for the things that you knew what you were doing was wrong and you did it anyway, amen? We can come to him even when we have been foul, even when we have crossed the line where we knew it said no trespassing and we said, I don't care, God, I'm doing this my way. And when we come to our senses and we realize how foolish that was and how hurtful that was to God and how wrong it was, we say, God, could you forgive me for this too? I knew better and I did it anyway. And the Lord would say, Jesus died for that too. He died for that too. Look at Colossians chapter two. It says very clearly here, in Colossians 2, 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you what? All trespasses. That's good news, folks. <laughs> because you know what? We do slip up, we do mess up, but sometimes we know full well what we're doing and we rebel against God. I'm so glad that when I come back to him, He doesn't look at me and go, you should know better than this, Will. You are a Christian now. When I come to him and I say, Lord, I I really blew it this time. I knew I shouldn't have done this and I did it anyway. I defied you. I'm so sorry. I don't want to do that anymore. Will you please forgive me? The Lord says, my son died for it. I do forgive you. It's all washed away. Jesus was offered once for all so that we could have atonement for our sins. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe. Christ died in our place out of love for us to glorify God the Father. You can always call us and ask for any physical assistance or spiritual need. We would love to pray for you. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. 